Welcome back to Who the Hell's This For? Today we are talking The Empty Man, a 2020 independent horror release based off of a graphic novel by Cullen Bunn, who, as I mentioned on Twitter, is a favorite author of uh, some of our friends at local Kansas City podcasts, such as Debates on Tap and First Issue Club. And we'll we'll talk about if they did his story justice, even though, you know, we haven't read the story itself, but... We've seen the movie. Oh, Jeff might have. I was going to say, under uh, under the guidance of podcasts that I enjoy and trust, I have uh, purchased the first six in a volume. Ooh. Not, I have purchased them electronically, so I'm, you can stone me if you want. I'm not a purist, uh, but I definitely... Dude, I, I read 700 chapters in Naruto on my phone. <laughs> Nobody will stone you for that. So, yeah, I, um, I've i only made it through the first two. I just bought them today. But knowing that it was a graphic novel, I wanted to get into some of the backstory. Awesome. So before we get started, especially in the wake of the shootings in Georgia and other things happening in our nation... Not only do we encourage everyone to continue to donate to black, trans, or other uh, indigenous organizations, please support Asian American and Pacific Islander organizations. We mentioned it uh, on a previous episode as well, and things have only gotten worse from there. Please continue to support those uh, populations, those groups, and the groups supporting them right now. It is still just as important. And with that, what have you guys been watching? Uh, wait, let's see. Uh, oh, I watched, um, oh, I didn't go rate it. I just realized that. Um, Caitlin and I finished My Hero Academia. Yeah. Concluded that with, uh, My Hero Academia, uh, what is it called? Heroes Rising. Heroes Rising. Rising. Man. And you have not that, truly given me your thoughts yet. I don't That believe. movie rips. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy that they get all of Class 1A time to show off their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, even Mineta gets some use. Yeah, even Mineta which is fantastic. His scalp off. <laughs> throwing his balls at people. <laughs> I don't understand this. And that's where we're going to leave that all. completely yeah. out of context. <laughs> well, so he steers into that context in the show right. and manga, Jeff. So that's, Got it. He's that's not just character. a bit either. Um, but yeah, that was awesome. Uh, what else have we been watching? Um, not a lot. Watching March Madness. Oh, yeah. is done. Um, and let's see. There's, I feel like there's something else, but that must be it. So pass it along. All right. Jeff, what about you? Um, let's see. What have we been watching? Better pull up my letterbox and see what I did this week. <clears throat> uh, I rewatched something recently. Oh, I rewatched MacGruber. Uh, oh, nice. After we did our Aliens episode, <laughs> our Alien episode, I rewatched Alien. I'm sorry, I watched rewatched Aliens, the second one. Um, and then I also saw Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, Ooh, what were your thoughts on that? I really liked it. Um, I liked that they went more political thriller than biopic. Um, mm-hmm. I thought everyone in it did a great job. Um, 
There's some stuff with like, okay. So did you guys know that Fred Hampton was 19? No, I did not know that until 21. Uh, it was like 19 for most of the event. I think he was 21 when he got killed. Oh, okay. I I knew he was like young, but hadn't realized until that movie came out and a lot of reactions started coming out that he was that young. So that was my only thing. And I, I mean, someone else made this criticism first, but that was my only thing that I, after I learned that I was like, everybody in this seems like a little bit too mature. And it seemed like it was like not quite an evenly matched thing, but a little bit more like this is an adult. They know the risks, but this is like a teenage. You know what I mean? I just it, there. I think there could be another portrayal of this where it actually shows like how young they were. Um, mm-hmm. That could be cool, but that's such a dumb reason to say anything about the film. The film itself was was great. I really really liked it. Um, I don't know, Riley. Did you see that one? Yeah, I, I mean, I I thought it was awesome. Yeah, um, it's definitely what I'll be pulling for in award season. Yeah. Um, since the five bloods did not make it. Yeah, pour one out. Huge travesty that we'll talk about that. Bloods. We'll talk about that for sure. Yeah, that that got overlooked. But also uh very pumped that Sound of Metal uh snagged yeah. so many nominations. Yeah, that, hopefully that does really well. I love that movie and I do really, really want to watch Minari because it sounds exactly up my alley and just like a americana story with like you know with a marginalized group like it it just sounds awesome Mm -hmm. it sounds exactly up my alley and what i enjoy out of movies and the type of story that i really like ty how about you what are you even watching so since we last recorded i finally catherine and i were able to go back to the theater because we have both been fully vaccinated for nice. a while now, over a month now, actually. Wow. Um, which has been awesome, awesome feeling. So we went back to the theater. We saw Ryan the Last Dragon, which is um, amazing. Fantastic movie. Really, really solid animation. I, I liked a lot of what they brought to the table, um, even though while it was very simple. Uh, it's still, like, it... For me, I feel like it's my favorite Disney movie to go off of that. Yeah, and it could be shaded by the fact that it was my first time back in the theater. Uh, But like, I thought I was going to cry being back in the theater. I didn't even cry, but there's a part where they um, they do a big like overhead shot of a new location and they drop the title card in there of where they're at and the score kicks in. And I just like exhaled. I didn't even cry. I was just like, oh my God, I'm back in the theater. And this is like, now this is pod racing. Like, <laughs> it's working. Just so relieved. And it also helped that, like, that piece of the score also was very reminiscent of the drums in the Acura score. So it, like, hit me even more perfectly. Or the Uncut Gem score. We could also say that. <laughs> Uh, but any, then any also, concessions to go with that movie theater experience? Uh, yes, I had a 32 ounce Tank Seven, oh, and shit, yeah, and a uh, a large popcorn. Man, 
Nothing like being back in the theater housing just a 32-ounce 7% size on. Spending your life savings on a 32-ounce Tank 7 and large popcorn. They raised the prices since uh, the last time we were in there on the Tank 7. They got a year to catch up from, so I suppose it makes sense. Yeah, it's fair. I'm more than willing to help. And then hopefully soon we will be venturing with that. And now that we, you know, we went to one close to home, we will be planning to venture back out to Screenland, hopefully for Godzilla vs. Kong. Hell yeah. Nice. I, so, think we're, I think we're looking to go, go to our first theater experience for that. Nice. It's, God, it feels good. Also, I watched The Da Vinci Code, which is not nearly as good as it should have been for decades of being told by the church that I would be denied heaven for it. Yeah, it does not necessarily paint an incredibly plausible picture the way that they... No! They're, they're like, everyone's going to believe this and we're going to lose all our power! And you're like, <laughs> it's like, okay, there's an entire secret society of... I'm, can I spoil Da Vinci Code? I yes, you can spoil, spoil Da Vinci, da Vinci Code. Code. The whole premise is basically Jesus fucked. Um, yeah. Which what is, if Jesus was a wife guy? Yeah. <laughs> the second, uh, the shortest vi- verse in the Bible is Jesus fucked. Um, that, joke, <laughs> that joke is for like Ryan King only, basically. Or um, fans of Hellraiser. Right. <laughs> um, and then there's like a whole secret society that like, protects the line of jesus and there's another sect of people who are like trying to make sure nobody finds out that jesus fucked and i mean it's a whole it's a whole big thing and then you find out like jesus's like great granddaughter is somehow involved and robert langdon should have been tom cruise not tom cruise oh my god nicholas Nicholas cage Cage. i would have watched it with tom cruise though yeah uh yeah ray ray christ (laughs) The granddaughter of Jesus. <laughs> Somehow Jesus has returned. Debbie Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Debbie just... Christ is. <laughs> also, in my in my letterbox review, after all that, the message of the movie is because you know the whole crux of the movie, the climax is now uh, the descendant of jesus has this knowledge and robert langdon has this knowledge and the message is that jesus would go ahead and let the modern church continue as is and do absolutely nothing to make it right (laughs) like that sounds like him (laughs) this is exactly what i pictured yeah keep collecting money great job everyone really nailed it Keep guilt tripping them into giving you money. Love it. Love it. <laughs> All right. So, Kansas City that, we... that was our dunk on religion hour. Kansas City's <laughs> number one sacrilegious podcast. <laughs> I think now it's far- all just the like... farmers market is really anti Jeff now. <laughs> okay, we got to drop. Yeah, this we got to we got to address can't... this. Um. I'm sure the person who runs the Instagram account for the Overland Park Farmer's Market is a wonderful person. Um, this has nothing to do with that. There is just some some really chaotic energy about the Instagram stories <laughs> of the OP Farmer's Market. I may tweet out a couple of my favorite screenshots, but every single one of the posts is a poll 
or like a question and it's like did you know that we sold this type of plant and it's always like i did or i did not with periods at the end of it and it is so deeply the wrong way to use that feature on instagram stories there's another one that's like it seems so threatening it's it's it's, it's extremely passive aggressive (laughs) i think it's just it's just written like my mom would write an email that's it there's like you know, like the ellipses that are not meant to be threatening, but seem threatening. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hope you have Using a good time. Using the ellipses dot, instead dot, of a period. <laughs> what do you mean? Why did you write it that way? <laughs> Come to the farmer's market. You'll. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have something for you. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Come to the farmer's market. We'll have some laughs. <laughs> There's another one. Oh my god, I have to find. Hold on, I have to. Do you verbal do you meme love the farmers market or are you a terrible person? <laughs> verbal <laughs> meme. We're gonna tell you about some stories we've seen on the OP's farmer. Okay, here's one. Here's one. Uh, grow your own plants to save money. This is probably one of the biggest ways to save. A majority of the farmers sell startup plants in spring, so you can support local. But save a little money as well, and yet you create an experience for yourself and family. And then the poll question is, how much do you agree with this statement? With like the sliding <laughs> scale, with the emoji. Those don't go together. That's <laughs> what are yeah, you doing? It's like, it's like four posts away from becoming like, have you gone to the farmer's market? Yes. Divorce. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So anyways... If you would like a good laugh, please. It's mostly good. It's mostly good content. I found out where they're going to hold the farmers market. It's going to be at the Matt Ross Community Center. Pretty cool. Um, they've got all this sorts podcast of- now somehow brought to you by the Overland Park <laughs> Farmers Market. It's kind of a complicated. Their, their relationship. Instagram stories worked. They're, it's kind of a complicated relationship that we have with this farmers market. <laughs> Anyways. You guys want to talk about the empty man? <laughs> Overland Park Farmers Market, pay me a thousand dollars. Come on the pod. <laughs> let's talk about the empty yeah, man. Let's talk about the gaping man. Empty man. <laughs> Riley. This is a family podcast. <laughs> Damn it, I think I just lost us our we, farmers market money. We draw we may talk about Jesus fucking, but we draw the line about gaping man. <laughs> To to be fair, the Da Vinci Code talked about it first. And at length for like a two and a half hour movie. There's too much of that movie. That's true. All right. So The Empty Man. In a bit, we will do a uh, brief breakdown of the plot synopsis because it is... it's, uh, It's a lot to chew on here. But basic premise... A series of mysterious disappearances in a small Midwestern town may be linked to a supernatural entity. Burying the lead in that is that this movie is set in Missouri, and it is one of the most Missouri movies I have ever seen, and I cannot wait to talk about it in a later segment. Uh, it was directed by David Pryor, who has worked with David Fincher, uh, which I didn't realize. Uh, written by David Pryor, but adapted from the Cullen Bunn graphic novel. Uh, box office gross of three million, but that doesn't really, you know, count for the past year. 
and then the what I don't normally talk about the runtime in this part, but I'd like to talk about it here uh, because it's just so uncommon for this type of movie. Two hours and seventeen minutes, which yeah, I was I, surprised to see. Yeah, because normally you expect something like this to clock in at about eighty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I am actually going to audible and forego rotten reviews this week because only because I feel like on something like this, it's almost punching down just because it is a independent small, not independent. It's funded by a comic book studio, but this is the kind of thing I want to see more of. Mm hmm. And I feel like there are issues, but we'll talk about them more. And it, I don't know. I, maybe I'm biased. If we want to do the rotten reviews, we'll do the rotten reviews. No, I think I think let's let's roll through. Sounds good. And so the plot synopsis. Who wants to tackle that one? I don't know if I have a synopsis. I definitely have questions that I would like answered. Um. Okay. <clears throat> I can I can tackle the synopsis if Ryler, are you gearing up for I'll it? I'll go for it. Do Didn't it. you just All give right. the synopsis? I gave a premise. Okay. The the, oh, the synopsis see, uh, is okay. we'll go we'll go premise, synopsis, summary. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I covered the premise. Jeff, get ready for the summary after Riley does the synopsis. <laughs> so we have a disgraced cop living in I missed the town in Missouri. I don't know uh, if it's a real town. I looked it up. I could not find it. But it's it's in the St. Louis suburbs. Yeah, like ish, right outside yeah. of St. Louis. Central Missouri. I don't know. No. St. Yeah, Louis so, is not in Central Missouri. Yeah, but Central Missouri gets lumped in with South, all that. All right. South Central. All right. Um, yes, yeah, so the southern city of St. Louis. <laughs> concerns are raised... When a family friend's daughter uh, suddenly takes a gothic turn um, and disappears. Um, let's see. From there, she, uh, the, guy, the cop goes to investigate where, where the hell this girl is, tracks down her friends, and they're like, they kind of introduce the, well, we went to the bridge, and we call, we were just being dumb. We called out the empty man. He's like, the empty man? What the hell's that? Um, oh. <laughs> the empty man? <laughs> Bobby, no. <laughs> Don't go summoning any empty man. No son of mine is going to be blowing on bottles under a bridge. <laughs> yeah, so that kind of brings us to the empty man. Um, the, the, the legend goes, if you blow the empty man, um, he follows you for three nights. <laughs> okay. Must have been pretty good. <laughs> oh no! Uh, yeah. So anyway, you go to a bridge under a bridge. You blow the. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All 
And then for three days, he continues to text you, hey, hey, what's up? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, big head. <laughs> you up? <laughs> and then finally, on the second day, you see him being like, hey, I didn't get you. Didn't I don't know if you got my messages. Outside your window with a boombox. <laughs> <laughs> In your eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then the third day, he kills you. Um, uh, okay, for... <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody take it from here. Yeah, yeah, so the the... <clears throat> Real breakdown of the urban legend is if you blow into a bottle, (laughs) if you blow into a bottle under or on a bridge while thinking about the empty man, it will summon him. And then first you'll hear him and he sounds like, and then on the second day you'll see him. And then the third day he takes you, I believe is how it is worded. And then, so Kids do it. Kids start getting picked off one by one. Uh, he also does it as he's just like, you know, investigating the bridge. And then it spirals out from there into a, uh, into beyond just a serial killer urban legend thing. And a cult in St. Louis is revealed that is basically the uh, Pontifex Society. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. um, is they. They do a lot of world building with that, and there's there's a deep history of this society, of this cult, and he attends a meeting, and he finds out about the Empty Man. Finds out more about the Empty Man there, starts investigating deeper, goes to a camp out in the woods in the Mark Twain National Park, or State Park, whichever one it is, uh, but goes out there, sees some extreme cult stuff happening, walks away. And then he runs away uh, <laughs> and gets out of there. And then he slowly starts to lose his mind uh, before it is then revealed that he is the empty man. He was created by the cult. He is a tulpa created by them and the manifestation of everything that they're trying to achieve with summoning the empty man. And he has always been the empty man and his entire life has been created by this cult, by the Pontifex Society and then it ends with him taking over the mantle from the previous incarnation or vessel of the empty man and uh, having a good time. I think that's how that movie ends. Just having a good time. Yeah, it's like, oh, there's going to be some changes around here. Yeah. <laughs> the sequel is him like taking over as the boss. And it's like, uh, not Billy Madison. It's Mr. Deeds. Yeah. But with a cult, I'd watch that. The cultists are the means of production. Adam, <laughs> Adam Sandler do a cult movie. Let's go. Adam Sandler is the empty man. <laughs> with Rob Schneider. You go onto a bridge and say, Shabbat Rob Schneider is some stereotypical role. Yeah. Rob, Rob Schneider doing some sort of face that is certainly not acceptable. <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about what we liked about The Empty Man. Well, um, I, think, I, I think one thing that would be a good start-off point that I know we all liked was like the intro short movie that we get yes. in this movie. The old, the, I don't know what you'd call it. What, what do books call it? Prologue. Prologue. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you get like this mini backstory um, on the Empty Man. Um, and man, I, I could have watched that. I could have done an episode on that 15 minutes of short film. Absolutely. Easily. I thought that was such a great... I mean, and I like the, I like the film, but like... I think that's very clearly my favorite part of the film is the first 20 minutes. Um, <clears throat> like See, you said. I will talk about my favorite part later, but this, <clears throat> I think, this whole intro, this cold open, phenomenal. I think it could be, I mean, we'll talk about sort of the end of this movie and if you could do more, but like, I think it would be kind of fun to do like an empty man anthology where none of them are tied to each other. That'd be I cool. would love that. Yeah. You know, and you could do, you could do sort of a straight ahead monster movie, you know, manifestation. I don't know <clears throat> where you basically just make the first 20 minutes of this into a feature link. I, it could be less interesting because it is, it would be more straightforward, but I loved that first 20 minutes. I loved, mm-hmm. loved, loved that mm-hmm. first 20 minutes. And then I I even like how it spins out of there into this. Well, I want, before I go into this next part, I do want to acknowledge one thing with the cold open. The the empty man statue or remains or whatever it is, the eight-armed skeleton in there, awesome. Just that an incredible awesome. prop and piece yeah. of set. And that was when I, so I went into this movie or well, when I first heard about the movie, I assumed you know it's Bye Bye Man, Slender Man, or some other crappy like cash in ninety minute thing, just trying to get you know make a quick buck off of the horror genre, which so many people do now. Right. And then it ended up being so I saw that and I was like, oh, this is clearly not that. This is something else entirely. Right. And then. It spins out of that into a very traditional, straightforward, like, urban legend haunting style movie, which I was like, okay, well, we're kind of back on this track. Where's the stuff from earlier? And then as soon as he starts investigating the Pontifex Society or Pontifex Institute, whatever they are, uh, and attends that cult meeting, it, it takes off from there for me. And I had a blast with the most of the rest of this movie from that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I like... One of the best things about any movie that you can say is... uh, How much do you think about it after the credits are over, right? And not that every Mm -hmm. movie has to be a thinking movie or anything like that. But, like, what what sticks with you, whatever. And so I think the fact that this is a movie that I thought about... You know what I mean? um, In the days following, for sure. Is something that is really has a lot going for it because I think you could you could easily have picked a single thing to do with this movie, right? It could have been what was in the first twenty minutes, where it's basically like uh, you get haunted by this entity. Like as soon as someone comes in contact with it, like it like takes over or whatever else it might be, right? Like there's kind of that aspect. I do like the cult aspect. Um, yes. Oh yeah. And so I think the. Pr- I'll get into that in the next section, but I mean, like, I think the only thing you can fault this movie for is that it it adds in one more thing. Like, it kind of Spider Man mm-hmm. threes itself a little bit. It goes just too far. Yes, like it could have. It could have. You can do a movie with multiple plot lines, or like, well, maybe it's this, or maybe it's this. But it, it did one too many. Um, so mm-hmm. we'll get into that in the next section for sure. 
Uh, something else I really like about this movie is, so I watched this with headphones on, and it was an unbelievable experience. Because throughout the movie, even before like things get explained, you're hearing the like chittering, like tappy, oh, yeah. like tongue click noise that the em- that becomes associated with the Empty Man. You hear that throughout the movie, off and on, and it yeah. like it rattled me with my headphones on. Like, watch it bit on the big screen downstairs and like in the dark, and it. The sound design's phenomenal. It is mm-hmm. so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the the sound design. I do think that this movie has some pretty good um, visual scares too. A mm-hmm. huge a huge visual scare. This is a scary movie. I think so. I think a huge visual visual scare for me is um, the something is standing far away. And that sees bo- you. That sees you, uh-huh. and moves towards you slowly. Like I, that that oh, specific, oh, that specific type of stand. And I've said this in other reviews. I, uh, you know what movie does that really well? Uh, is Black Mountainside. Yeah, yeah. yeah I definitely. got a lot of vibes right. from Black Mountainside with this movie. Right. Um. And so I love that it does it a couple of times. Um. I love when they do it the first time. In the first yeah, 20 in the minutes snow. in the snow uh-huh. where you like kind of see a figure and then she mm-hmm. takes a step back and it takes a step towards her. Fuck yes. That was so good. That was so, so good. The second time that I really felt it was um, when he was there at the camp. Yeah. And he was going, oh, towards, he was going yeah. towards the fire and stuff. And then they all stop and he takes a step back and they take a step towards him. Like... Yes, fuck yes again. Like those to me, I think were my my two favorite parts of the movie, where you're just like, oh fuck, and you you don't always get a ton of oh fuck dread necessarily in a lot of movies. Like you, no, I want more of oh fuck dread. I think that's my favorite scary device is that part. The the scene at the camp when he goes to the forest, and as soon as he goes into that camp, and he finds the folder with his name on it. From there, and then uncovering the video, watching the video, then finding the camp, or and the like, the ritual around the fire, and then the way they craft the the ritual scare where the fire and the fire goes out, and then the light is the light. I don't remember if it started on or started off, but he looks over, and then suddenly the fire is out, and either a light is out. Or a light is on. It goes out first. Um, That's right. And then the lightning starts. Yes. And then you just, you can see, like, as soon as they're illuminated again, they have all shifted and are all facing him. Mm-hmm. And the chase, the chase is good, too, because of the noises. The, they're making these weird wailing noises as they're running after him. And it's so good. Yeah. It's that whole sequence is one of my favorite scares in horror in the past at least five years, if it not was, longer. Yeah, it, I mean there are there are high points to this movie, mm-hmm. the highest points. I also really liked. Uh, shout out to who's the main guy, uh, Jason. Uh, he's uh, from San Francisco. 
James, <laughs> James Badge Dale, which I don't know that I've seen him in anything else. Um, I did not recognize him. Oh shit! You know what else he's in? He's he's a uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's friend in The Departed. Not not his. Oh. Yeah, like the other cop who's like also kind of in on it. That's yes. him. Oh my god! And he's been in some of these other movies, but I don't really recognize him from those. Um, I'm sure if I was looking for him, maybe I would see him. But his like cast picture on Letterbox, I'm like, okay, yeah, now I understand. Um. Anyways, I thought he was. I thought he was really good. I I love that he's just like a long john guy. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. When was the last time you saw someone wearing full long johns going to bed? Um. But I thought he was like for having never seen him before. Like I thought he played this role pretty well. Um, and I liked the scene where it's like, it's like day two. And so he's supposed to start hearing him and he hears him like come up to the door. Like, I thought that was a good, no, that a good sequence. I think as that's well. the first. Night. Yeah. That's, that's day one. Oh, day one. You day hear two him. is when it, when he, when the empty man like pops up from the stairs. That's right. That's right. Oh man. Yeah. I just, th- this movie does so many good things. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, as I alluded to earlier, I have never seen a movie that felt more accurately like Missouri than this movie. And I can't exactly explain it, but I felt like they nailed it. Was it where the cops didn't give a shit and don't solve crimes? It's also that. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, though, a guy, for a guy that owns a security store... You would think he have a lot more guns like hidden in places, like one strapped under the nightstand or no, like man, a this shotgun is, next to the This door is bat by the bed a, representation. He's just got which is a Missouri thing. I have a bat by my I bed. I have a bat by my bed. Oh, I have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well don't fuck with Riley while he's sleeping, I guess. Good to know. Um, he picked that up from our old roommate. <laughs> fun story i almost got murdered by our roommate once because i wanted to go say hi to him after the bars so i burst into his room at 3 a.m forgot that that roommate kept a gun in his dresser or nightstand <laughs> who among us who among us who among us um what else did you guys like uh, steven root shoot i just yeah, I well, yeah. So I like the steam room because oh no, Stephen Root. Into, oh, <laughs> the charismatic preacher guy. Yeah, Stephen yeah. Root. Sorry, who's just go. like a a delight anytime he shows up in a movie. All right, rather go with the steam room. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about the. I steam like room. the steam room because it gives that same feeling that the snow gives us. Yes, where they turn, they crank up the steam so much that you like go in and out of seeing her face, and you don't know if you're seeing the empty man for parts, and or if you're seeing her. It's kind of what works really well for the Invisible Man mm-hmm. is that you don't know what you're looking at. Yes, uh, but I thought that worked really well, and her death was pretty crazy. Yeah, too, so. There's yeah, good kill. Gore is very sparse in this movie, but it does a couple scenes where it just like really goes for it. Yep. Yep. 
Also, kudos to our main character guy that just didn't even flinch at the six bodies hanging from the bridge. <laughs> yeah, he's like, mm, yes. I'm he's from like, San oh, Francisco. A, this is normal. That's going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm from San Francisco. This happens all the time. <laughs> at first, I thought that was a joke, and then he did it like five more times, and I'm like, it seems like it's supposed to be a pretty important part of his character. It's, it's it a canned Siri but... response that they programmed. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about that in our next segment. But before we move on, one more thing I want to talk about is just in general, we need more movies that are not afraid to tackle like cosmic horror and try and approach this like this weird literature, this cosmic horror, everything that was, you know, set up with the uh, Lovecraft mythos, but has now built on that and become its own thing. And just inspire this whole genre of this weird cosmic horror. Yeah, that was, I mean, I, I don't want to jump into what I didn't like, but so the scene where he, he, he kind of walks up onto the cult um, and like this, the stars all warp and the fire goes into the sky. Like, give me a more explanation into that. I would I would love if we focused more on that and not on it because you can focus on that without explaining it away and we can go right. ahead and shift into what we didn't like about this movie because the m- main issue and like I said I will cape for this movie until the day I die now having seen it but it tries to do too much at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And way too much. <laughs> and it focuses on that when it could have focused more on the actual actions of the cult and this weird, like, it's not something they just believe. The cult is actually doing something very real and tangible, and that's what I want more of because you have so many more good scares you can craft in there, too, with that. Right. So that's something I do want to talk about in terms of, like, what actually happened, right? Let's kind of mm-hmm. break that down. So you have the setup, which is basically there's a supernatural entity uh, that when you call it and manifest it, takes over your body and can drive followers to commit acts, you know, of suicide, of violence, of whatever else it might be to like basically, I don't know, get rid of the shroud of this is not real. None of this is reality. Right. And then it picks and then it picks one person to be the conduit Uh, receiver Mm -hmm. yeah right so then the the biggest thing right the biggest thing that i'm trying to figure out with this is the a major plot point at the very end is that uh la jason la is the cop has basically been uh created and or filled to be a an active empty man no longer just like a corpse that doesn't mm-hmm. do anything but like a empty man that is also a conduit and can kind of lead them they, they've right? been trying to perfect this tulpa which is the manifestation of their singular focus of this concept and make him the physical manifestation of the empty man as, as the perfect vessel and truly becoming the empty man not just like housing the empty man while he dies right Right. So what what I can't understand with the Tulpa creation, right, is, and I know this gets into a device that you hate, Ty, which is the unreliable narrator, right? And it basically just, like, does that right at the very end, 
and you're like, okay, so you have no idea. Obviously, he fully manifests and becomes the empty man at the very end. But then you're left to question, okay, how much of what happened throughout the movie was real versus how much of it was the group implanting memories in him in order to become the empty man. And that's what I just like. I think it's so muddy. And it's not one of those things that, I don't know. I'll kind of want your thoughts on that. Yeah. So what, I think what, where they really miss the mark on that is right before they kind of give us that information is they go through this whole thing that nothing's real. It's all been manifested. Um, None of what you're seeing is real, blah, blah, blah. And then they, then after they establish that, then they go to explain the most complicated part of the movie in a full exposition dump. Right. Not even like trying to demonstrate the concept, which like, that's the thing. So, you know, as we know, I had my problems with Tenet and did not like it, but it did so much of show not tell in that second half when it really takes off. And they, in this movie, it's all exposition. And that's the biggest problem for me. Right. There's no real hint throughout the movie that he, what he is seeing might not be real. Other than the fact that he has nightmares and you're led to believe, you know that there was some kind of accident. You know that he has some kind of grief. It is later, you're later led to believe that he was stricken by grief not only because his wife and son died in an accident, but because he was having sex with the neighbor while he should have been in the car with them. So he has, like, survivor guilt and or whatever. The neighbor who is the mother of the person orchestrating all of this. Right, and so then you're, and then he is calls the mom when he's in the hospital and she doesn't know who he is so obviously that part of him being a family friend to that family you're led to believe is not real but then they had all these interactions and like he gets involved in the first place because he's trying to find this person and it's just like it gets really money you're like i don't know what actually happened in Mm -hmm. this movie because there's not it's there's not a clear lifeline for me to understand what and and you know some movies are great because they're confusing Mm -hmm. and you can kind of just puzzle over them but this one i don't think necessarily has like a path i don't know it's just and that's the thing it it's not that i need it explained to me but it's that if it's going to make a choice that is ambiguous or left unclear or like purposefully opaque or confusing let it be that and stand on its own. Don't just shove it in at the last moment and then... Yeah, let it breathe. Yeah. Like, you you just shoehorn it in at the end of the movie and then ask the viewer to reevaluate everything they had seen when really the only thing they give you to go off of that is the scene where he rolls up on the group in the Pontifex Society uh, building. Right. And it's implied that he was there and also there prior. Right. So, like, I don't know if the point is, like, he was a real cop, his wife and child died, he was struck with grief, he joined this society, he was, like, part of a group that helped manifest, was, you know what I mean, was a member, right? And they're like, we're going to manifest this into you. But then the whole thing where he later is then investigating the whole thing and then investigating... Like, I just don't understand the shoehorn in so, of why they picked him to do that storyline. Agreed. And I I almost feel like... Like, the 
it it's almost like a Blade Runner replicant situation in my mind. Like I feel like he was artificially created and manifest like he's a golem and imbued with memories and a personality right. and made a vessel for the empty man that way. And so that's that's where I was able to kind of like couch and settle some of my issues with the unreliable narrator thing. Uh, because as you said, one of my least favorite plot devices, uh, especially when used so poorly. But I was able to manage that in, you know, like this guy was literally born, quote unquote, born two weeks ago and just created with all these memories and given these memories like his son blowing into the bottle, which then becomes part of the empty man summoning ritual and all of these things. And, you know, like that we've been ripping on the I'm from San Francisco line, but he keeps repeating that as a core part of his personality and then sees in the cult files this newspaper clipping with essentially that headline of an article he wrote about his experience as a cop in San Francisco. And Mm -hmm. so it's... I wish we just had more to go on. Not even explain it to me. I I think they explain too much because I don't want I don't want it fully explained, but I think they gave us too much to work with and we can't quite there's there's no thread to follow here now. I think if we had gotten less, we could put the pieces together and figure it out for ourselves as the audience. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think it's just clunky, you know, and it's it's mm-hmm. such a shame cuz the whole rest of the movie is so good and it's like a really good like it's not only a horror thriller it's like also kind of a crime thriller yeah and there's like you know some investigation going on and you get to see him like try to find clues and it's a whole big thing that you just like you really wish that they would have i don't know i don't know i just think they're they they dishonor a little bit everything they've done so well early in the movie by trying to like then reframe everything that just happened and i wish they would have just kind of let it ride a little bit agreed definitely like even having him be like even if he is the vessel you don't even necessarily have to make his backstory fake like yeah it could just be like he's struck by grief all the things could have really happened, but he he basically like they're manifesting into him now, and they don't even need a thing where like your life is a lie. Like they could have just mm-hmm. taken yeah, over were, his like, spirit. You were an easy target, and, yeah, right. exactly. And just like you have been chosen, and right. it's too late to do anything about it because this process is already complete. And that right. I would have been able to just fly with that, and that is totally right. fine. Because then you have the whole supernatural and the cult thing, and they work together, and they work great, you know. And there is mm-hmm. a, so this is not necessarely us right rewriting movies, but a little bit. Um. Yeah, yeah, I know we're we're doing the thing that every movie podcast does, where it's like, well, no, I just would have done it this way. I can make your movie better than you, but it's, it feels like there is just a direction. There's a a thread here that they left, and a thread that they followed, and they did. They just followed the one that I would not have, and I would have enjoyed mm-hmm. had they followed the other thread that they set up for themselves. I would mm-hmm. have enjoyed this movie Def- a lot more because yeah. all the yep. pieces are there. I say enjoy this movie a lot more. I love this movie. I would have enjoyed how it wrapped up more. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. 
Another thing that I want to talk about that is beyond it's it's in the ending, but it's not with the narrative structure of the ending or the way the ending is written. Uh, you can tell that it is they want to do big things at the end with effects, but they do not have the budget to do that the th- do the things they want to do. Right. So they go to the crutch of the flashing light to show you just glimpses of effects and hide the gaps in their effects. That's tough. Even some of the best effects movies I've seen, like The Void, does this in one scene where, and The Void does it because they have a giant practical monstrosity that they're trying to hide some of the seams and issues with. This is just covering bad CG, and the flashing is so much more jarring here. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like you could have. Again, the flashing to me, I think it, and maybe it's because we've seen so many movies do it that like we're aware of that crutch mm-hmm. as well, and so we're like we know what it's doing, and maybe that's why we're more distracted by it. Because I well, we're I think aware so. What they're doing. I think the normal, the typical viewer, isn't going to like somebody who's just like I'm gonna throw a movie on, and you know just have a good time, and. Right. I, I don't think that's going to stick out nearly as much to them as it does to people who, like, if you, especially horror, if you engage with horror a lot, that's when you're going to pick up on that. And so mm-hmm. the more you, like, immerse yourself in the genre, you pick up not only tropes and writing cliches, but you also pick up the effects things that um, mm-hmm. that are done to try and manage issues with effects. Yeah, I think that was probably, I mean, other than just the plot devices of what they did at the end, I think that scene probably is going to come up later for me for mm-hmm. lower lower scene, just because it could have been a cool climax to the movie, and it felt like pretty, I don't know, it, it was very jarring. Well, yeah, you, sure. you have this, and like, the stuff that they showed in the flashes was really cool, like... The empty man chasing him down and, like, full-on, like, unfolding into a tentacle monster out of its mouth into his mouth. That was awesome. I would love to see that. I would have loved to see if they tackled that practical because I guarantee it would have been cheaper than trying to do it it in CG and then cover the gaps. Right. I don't even know if you necessarily need this fight. Like, this thing where he can't get away from this entity could have been done in the slow, stalking style yes. they had done everything else and i think it would have been totally effective and you still could have led to the point where he killed is it david is david the og guy who uh paul paul okay yeah. so i i could not remember because it's been i i watched this a little bit before you guys before we even decide to review it so some of the details i am a little fuzzier on um yeah. but yeah the the guy from the cold open who it's revealed this whole time he has been in the hospital. Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this Anyways, movie is just, we're all trying to find the, the guy mountain. who did this. The Empty Man. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, The Empty Man. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this is just the Tim Robinson, we're all trying to find the guy who did this sketch, <laughs> but with a cult. Um, 
Okay, so let's go ahead and move on into our segments, which are going to be, we'll do Standout, Letdown, and Jeremy Gleason. So, well, I think Standout, I mean, we pretty much talked about it in depth already. Um, I mean, for me, my Standout's the opening. Um, I think so, too. If I have to be specific, I'm probably picking the snow. The first time the empty man manifests yep. and comes towards yep. her. For, Absolutely. For me, I am sticking with what I talked about earlier, and that is the camp scene. And I will specifically oh, yeah, that, say, yeah. I am actually going to say, even before he comes across the cult at the fire, the cabin when he is watching the video, and he pulls the video out and it we didn't talk about this really at all but the video itself you know you see a couple husks of a person there and like one Mm. of them dies the other one is like painting with his own innards and painting Mm -hmm. a thing of the empty man on the wall and he turns and it's right there you see a bear in the video like a stuffed bear and it's a bear you saw walking into the cabin and it's behind him in this entire shot and then it slowly like moves throughout the whole thing and so the the way that all comes together and the way the physical acting of the cultist painting in that video and that grainy video look oh yeah it's that was bone chilling that whole sequence is phenomenal and it's some of the best scare work they did a cool shot with the eyes. Too, yes. Where he, they show his oh, eyes yeah. and they show the grainy, like, just like beams. And then they show the bear slowly moving in the background. Like that, that real quick sequence I thought was excellent. I thought I really liked that, that got it. That whole sequence got an audible reaction from me. Like, yeah. And it, I don't do that often anymore. This, this movie, while it has its issues, some of the scares in this have hit me like a scare hasn't hit me probably since hereditary and then before hereditary i couldn't tell you the last time i was scared like that there what i love about this movie is it it doesn't do one thing like it does Mm. the dread right it does some some jump scares or some things that you're just kind of worried about it does the thing where there's the character's not looking and somebody is moving behind them like there's hallmarks here of of great Mm-hmm. you know uh, of just scare devices in other movies and for the but most there's... part it doesn't do the cheap ones it doesn't right. do the unearned scares right it takes yeah. its time Every... and it builds and creates a scare everything in this is very organic everything like i love when you say you know it earned it that's how i feel about this all too mm-hmm. like nothing just pops out of no- it, the very ending explanation is probably the only thing mm-hmm. that you feel kind of pops out of nowhere and you're like where the fuck did that come from like where was that this whole movie yeah but be- beyond that like everything else i i thought you know did do pretty well riley how about you did you, what do you think uh yeah i'm gonna go with just the reveal in general oh yeah we shifted into our letdown scene <laughs> yeah i didn't realize down. we had done it, that yeah, it's the reveal for me. Um, it's the Shutter Island problem. The yeah. You get to the end of the movie, and it's, oh, well, it was you the whole time, blah, blah, blah. None of it's real. Uh, <laughs> just fuck off with that. I hate it. You're going to lose points for me yeah. if that's your twist. 
It's just dumb. It is dumb. Yeah, and I'm going to second you on that. And going a little deeper, just the the daughter of the woman, because I forget the actress's or the character's name. Nora. Nora. Nora was the mom. Who was, Nora was the, the mom. daughter? Anna. Anna. Something Maybe? like that. Yeah. yeah. So <sighs> Anna just like her whole thing and her whole explanation, just like it it didn't work for me. And the, like this knowing I'm the mastermind behind all this. And let me let you in on the secret plan. It just, I don't like that. It stinks. And then the plan itself also stinks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Boo. Boo, sir. (laughs) And your story. (laughs) All right. Jeremy Gleason award. Who did the most with the least here? There's a clear answer for me. I'm going to say uh, the... Uh, uh, God, I can't think of his name now. Steve from Stranger Things Wannabe. <laughs> I, thought he was, I thought he was really good in this. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the one who's part of a cult. Yeah, the wisecracking yeah. kid. Smokes cigarettes, you know. He's a real tough guy. I, I don't know. I liked his character. Um, I feel like he gave us a more insight than anyone else in the story. So, I I did also. I liked the reveal there that he was just you know trying to get him down this path, and he wasn't actually helping mm-hmm. him out. And like all the guys bowing to Paul in the hospital room with him there, I that was fantastic. Jeff, what about you? Oh man. You know, I really actually kind of wish Anna was in this movie more. Um, that bowl cut, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Coconut really, head. Really working for me. Um, <laughs> What's the most cultist haircut I can have? <laughs> it was just, well, I mean, I really liked, because this movie just goes through a couple of waves, right? And it transitions at the beginning to like a, a like a, are you afraid of the dark, like teen type of thing Mm -hmm. and i was like oh so that's what this movie is gonna be it's gonna be one of those Mm -hmm. and and um i don't know i kind of wish that they would have done more with the kids like that's why i was saying this movie would be such an interesting anthology the pontifex institute actually would have been a great sequel to yeah to even a prequel i mean yeah absolutely yeah you know what i mean to to some other and like there's so much to do in this world of the empty man that I kind of felt like they tried to do all of it in this one, where if you would have done the Himalaya intro and then like the teens being like, Oh, that's an urban legend. And it's like, no, my brother actually died. You know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. could have been a whole thing. Oh, and Amanda, the... not Anna. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amanda. And then you could have done the whole Pontifex Institute of like, Hey, my kid died because of the empty man. Like they were all into this Pontifex Institute. Then you find out, Oh shit. It's actually all caused by this cult manifesting shit. Like, I don't know. I just felt like there were a lot of threads they could have pulled, and I, I had fun with all of them, but I, I almost wonder if it would have been better off simplifying slightly, you know, and picking something to go with, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why, like I said, I would love for them to make sequels of this where they they just do one of those. Yeah. It, they really, like, they 
backed themselves into a corner with this movie, but I would love to get the anthology approach with it. And my show me where that skeleton came from. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Well, and they listed other incidents. Like they have all these other manifestations that they could Mm -hmm. go back to. Like you could do one of the things on that Wikipedia page. It's really cool. Was it, um, was it Nepal that they were hiking in? Remind me. Yeah. Bhutan. 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 Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you see one of the, like one of the subsection headers, in the wikipedia page that's collapsed is like uh the move to st louis and then there's something else that's like the bhutan incident right above it so they right they created a backstory for all of this that they don't really get into which is the best way to write a movie right and my jeremy gleason is steven root because he's an all-time great character actor and (laughs) i like I did, I went full Leo pointing when Steven Root showed up in this movie because I had no idea he had uh, had a role in it, and just it. One thing a I delight. really, one thing I really liked with his his scene um, was with him and our main character. Once they started talking, um, all of the cultists just stopping what they're doing and paying only attention. To their conversation, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that definitely added a creepiness factor. Yeah, absolutely. God, I, I, it has its problems, but I really, truly love this movie. I mean, I think this is this is a movie that I would love to tell people about. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's how I got you guys to watch it, right? Um. And I think it, you know, it does have some really genuinely awesome stuff. I think the first, because this movie is what two hours and seventeen yeah. minutes. Is that what they said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say almost the first two hours is fucking awesome. Like mm-hmm. close to, you know, close I'd say to him, being yeah. up there. Him getting to the uh, him up into getting to the hospital. Yeah, everything basically. until that final bit is it's lights out. And I, like, I just, I can't say enough how much I appreciate that we got a horror movie that's weird, that doesn't cut itself down to 85, 90 minutes, and it lets itself build this weird, strange world and all this weird stuff that's going on. Like, this is, this is the type of thing that I will champion in the horror genre for years to come. I love this. I love that we have creators doing things like this. Oh yeah, and it makes me want to check out, you know, other stuff that this these people have been involved with mm-hmm. for sure. And I hope that it I hope that it gets other creators to do things like this. I mean, it's getting pretty good secondary reviews, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was pretty critically panned when it first started. Uh it was well, sure. released. Yeah. Didn't they say it was I'm trying to find out it was released it was 2020. Yeah, um October 2020. Yeah. And it flew completely under my radar then. Yeah. Uh, they said, let's see what I'm finding out. It was, oh, it was originally made in 2017. They didn't release it because it was part of the Disney Fox merger. Oh. Huh. Interesting. So yeah. this could have gotten, this almost could have gotten canned. Like, yeah. we almost didn't get this. Right. 
And right. it was it was they said a trailer was this is the uh, review from Peter Burt, which is one of the most recent reviews on here, says Disney didn't know what to do with the wake of the 20th century Disney merger. A trailer was released one week before the film was set to be come out. It was released unceremoniously, dumped in the middle of a pandemic, received poor reviews from the few critics that you bothered to see it, made four million worldwide on a budget ten times that. People thought it was just another bye bye man, Slender Man. Um, but then I don't know how it got re picked up, but enough people saw it and recommended it to you know their friend. I mean that's how we heard about it from mm-hmm. Ty. So and I just I saw heard about, about it a little bit from Twitter. Yeah, I saw a buzz on Twitter. Um, I saw Matthew Rowland, um, who I believe is at Lab Splice. Um, he's somebody who does a lot of he covers a lot of genre stuff. And he was speaking really highly of this one. And then I also saw Anya Stanley, who we mention frequently on this podcast, uh, at Bookish Plinko. She also praised just it being weird and like being a cult movie and really going for it. And so I was like, okay, so clearly a lot of minds that I respect who know horror, they're speaking really highly of this thing. So I'm going to go ahead and seek it out and... Issues aside, I was like, I still have to tell people about this. I need people to watch this. I wonder what other stuff, like, from the Disney-Fox merger is going to get released that we're going to be like, oh, shit, that was secretly a good movie that Disney, like, decided not to support. I I will love and hate to find that out. Yeah. Because it's going to be very depressing when we do find out what movies those are. Let's do our Who the Hell is This For? Give me three movies that you should watch if you like this movie. Or if you like these three movies, you should watch The Empty Man. We could also do it in reverse since, you know, people aren't going to have seen The Empty Man. Uh, But we'll do that and then we'll go into ratings. So we'll go Riley, Jeff, me. Okay, give me just a second here. I got to think. I have the movie, but I just want to get the right title here i'm trying to decide if i should go for picks that i feel someone else will steal or picks that no one else will pick it's a tough one there's a there's one movie that we referenced earlier who which unfortunately want to get it out there turns out the director is a huge transphobe but oh yeah i wasn't gonna mention that one yeah but you you can put it together, <laughs> listener. Listen to our other episodes for the Easter egg of what movie we're talking about. <laughs> if you're watching a movie with a deer god in it, you're in the right place. <laughs> All right. Uh, first pick, I'm going Halloween 6. Ooh! Ooh. All Cult right. Thorn. Wow. I, yeah, I like that. Fast. That is a good pick. Also, you got to make sure you do the uh, producer's cut. Yes. Makes it a much better movie. I also, I I will cape for the Cult of Thorn trilogy within the Halloween franchise. <laughs> All right. My first pick is uh, The Ritual. Ooh. Um, one honestly it's like it's super recent it's also a 2017 one of my favorite folk horror movies 
dare I say of all time? I I think I'm really really high on that movie. I in need a way to that watch it again. And I like, I remember feeling that same way. I just haven't watched it since it came out. But I oh man, I really need to. And I believe is that one. We'll talk off mic, but is it written? Is it based on a book written by the author who also wrote the source material for the terror? That is a couple layers of trivia, maybe too deep. <laughs> I'll I'll have to uh, I'll have to dive I into fa- that. I found it on Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff, what movie was it? It's called The Ritual. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So I uh, I have the. It's, I don't know that it's super well-loved on Letterboxd. Um, a lot of the reviews of people that I follow and trust do not seem to like this movie. Um, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I think there are probably people... See, I see almost nothing seen... but praise for it. Oh, maybe we're following different people. <laughs> probably um, so. Um, also, it's definitely probably... not written by Dan Simmons. I just looked it up. <laughs> it just feels like something he would write. So the ritual, I'll just get a quick synopsis. The ritual is uh, four college friends go into a forest. Somebody gets hurt, and they're trying to, like, carry them along. And they're basically, like, haunted by this presence in the forest. And it's, like, in Scandinavia. So there's, like, old Norse folklore haunting shit ancient monster It rules. It rules. It it does really, I really like that movie. All right, now for my first pick, I'm going to go with a John Carpenter classic, In the Mouth of Madness. Ooh. Hell yeah. Because Sam Neill goes through a very similar journey as uh, Officer Lasorda or Lasombra. Okay, good pick. Uh, number two, pick one in the second round. I'm going to go with another uh, cult movie, uh, fairly new. Uh, I'm going Midsommar. Yeah. Also a solid pick. I I love it. Can't say anything else about it. Jeff, That's one second I need, pick. I need to revisit yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, my second pick for another, uh, another fairly recent movie is 2019's The Lodge. Oh, um, I have not watched that one yet. Oh man, I I really like the Lodge. I again have had very mixed reviews from people I mm-hmm. follow on Letterboxd. And that one I did uh, see a lot of negativity about. And so it kind of yeah. hit the back burner for me. I I don't know. I I feel like um there's a lot of stuff that I really like in it. I'm sure it does a lot of stuff that other movies do. So maybe if you're a horror pro, like maybe it does too many of the same things. Um but I don't know. I really liked it. It's got Riley. Oh God, Riley Keogh. Q. Have we ever figured out how to pronounce her name? I we don't probably know if we should. Have. Uh, yeah, it it's Barker. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Anyways, she was in Mad Max, Logan Lucky, The Devil All the Time, House of Jack. Yes, Bill. she's phenomenal. Yeah, she's I really love good. Her. Yeah. So, and she's the main. She's the main person. The camera is mostly focused on her. It's a cold horror. I feel like a lot of the stuff that I'm honestly pulling from this movie is from the first 20 minutes. I feel like both of my reviews have been based on that and not so much the cult 
part of it, so I'll try to pick something else in my third pick. But I, I don't know. I really dig the lodge personally. All right. My second one is going to be the Borderlands or Final Prayer. It, uh, it has a couple different titles to it, but it's a quick 90-minute found footage movie about two priests who um, they are out in, I think it's Australia? I am trying to remember. Um, anyway, they go to uh, check out, oh, Rural English Church, okay. Um, so they're sent by the Vatican to go see if what's happening out at this church is a miracle, uh, because the church there claims that they are having a miracle, um, and so they want to get it vetted by these priests, and it it goes, and it makes some capital C choices, and I think both of you guys would really enjoy it. Wait, what was it? What's it called again? Uh, the Borderlands. You might oh, also right. see it listed as uh, the Borderlands Final Prayer or just Final Prayer. Okay. All right. Um, I'm really trying to find... Both the movies I picked have some element of cult stuff in it. I'm trying to figure out what my next cult thing might be. I got um, mine. Riley, let's hear it. Let's hear your final pick. Yeah, rather you go ahead. I'm. I'm, I'm All right, going. last one. I am going. I'm actually sticking in the same field as my last one. I am going hereditary. Oh, That's, I was thinking I about that. it. Yeah, with the you know the King Paimon group and the Satanists. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that's a good third pick. It. So I'm really glad that I had a backup because hereditary. Was almost my third pick. Jeff, let's hear your final pick. Oh man, I keep trying to pick a cult movie. Um, I'm just gonna cheat and go. <laughs> it's again for the first twenty minutes. Uh, you know, what movie this reminds me of is Sinister. Ooh, I I actually got Sinister that as well. Ethan Hawke. Yeah, especially just like, you know, a supernatural entity somewhat controlling people. Um, I don't know. It's not exactly cult thing. It's kind of, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because of the kids and stuff. But honestly, Sinister is is a movie that really shook yeah. me. Um, it's, it's like... It's, like, pretty deeply upsetting. So, like, it's not a movie you, like, can kind of casually... I don't know. Personally, I thought it was, you know... There's lots of... There is. There's a lot of, like... There's a lot of lingering. There's there's a lingering. There's a dread building. And there's also a lot of adult fears with Sinister. Like, it's it's the existential, like, fear of just, like, what could happen in your life. Very realistic things that could happen, but it adds a supernatural flair to it. A lot of the main theme of Sinister is husbands being like, it'll probably be fine. Yeah. (laughs) That's the theme of the whole movie. (laughs) And then my last pick is going to be Banshee Chapter, which is another found footage movie, um, another shorter one. It is very loosely adapting uh, some Lovecraft work, um, and then it 
straight up like name drops it from a Wikipedia entry uh, that the main character is reading off of. So it has its problems, but it also has Ted Levine who plays Buffalo Bill doing a Hunter S. Thompson impression. And boy, is it just, he goes for it. And they do a bunch of psychedelics. There is a bunch of very scary things that happen. And it's fun. I like that movie a lot. And I think it would scratch the same itch that this movie does. All right. Let's wrap up with ratings. Um, I think on the strength of the first two hours alone... I think this movie for me is an eight. I gave it four out of five on Letterboxd. I feel pretty solid about that. I I like it mm-hmm. quite a bit. Riley, what about you? Well, since we have to rate the whole movie, <laughs> um, it does get knocked down a little bit. Um, I was really high, like Jeff was, on the first two hours. Um but we have to score the whole movie, and the ending does bring it down a lot. Um, I'm going to go with a 7. That makes sense. Uh, no, I changed okay. that. 6.5. The coward score, Tough changing it right when you give it. <laughs> uh, but no, I am exactly where Jeff is at. I gave this movie an 8 as well. Without the ending, this movie's a 10. And everything it does in the first two hours gives it enough oomph to still absolutely be worth watching that two hours. And just know that you're going to have to deal with a little crap at the end that is not great. But the overall, it was still a phenomenal experience and absolutely worth your time. Yep. So I hope everybody has enjoyed listening to uh, us just bs over this movie i hope everybody goes and seeks out this movie if you already haven't just because like i said this is the kind of thing i would love to see get supported in horror and see more of and with that i hope everybody has a good week thank you for listening